Hi everyone, and welcome to the 107th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here by myself again. Oh no. Oh man, so... <laughs> so this time, uh, Churro's at FanFest, uh, Final Fantasy XIV, so he's in Vegas, so unfortunately he's not uh, able to record with me. Uh, and Sabby, uh, she said she was swimming in the Niagara Falls, so I don't know. <laughs> Obviously not swimming there, but she's there. Nonetheless, I'm assuming she's swimming. But uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, it's just me. But hey, this is a cool show because we got a lot of news to talk about. So that's always good. Uh, I think since it's just me, I think we should talk about some stuff in Japan. Because everyone keeps telling me I keep forgetting to talk about the fact that I live in Japan now. And I'm not talking about Japan enough. So uh, now I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you about a thing I did in Japan. Um, so last Monday, which will be roughly a week uh, prior to when this podcast releases, um, uh, I went to Fukuoka, which is... Um, so for those who don't know, Japan is uh, an archipelago, and it has like three main islands. There's uh, the main island that everybody knows about is Honshu, and that's where Tokyo is, and Osaka, and Kyoto, and Nagoya, and all those lovely places that everybody knows about in Japan. That's where those are. Uh, I don't live there. I live on Kyushu, which is the southernmost island, because I said I wanted to go somewhere hot, and this is a place that is sometimes hot, uh, mostly during the summer. In the winter, it's cold as balls, so... (laughs) I guess this is the best as they could do for me. But anyway, uh, so yeah, I live on Kyushu. I live near Nagasaki. I don't live in Nagasaki, but I live near Nagasaki, as in like Nagasaki City. I live in near. I live in Nagasaki Prefecture, which is about an hour away. No, not an hour. It took. It was like two hours. Two hours by train away from this wonderful place known as Fukuoka, which is a nice uh, developing city on Kyushu that as far as I can tell, seems to be bigger than Nagasaki. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, that seems like a great place to be because uh, that's where FF7 Remake is actually being made because that's where, uh, well, at least I'm I'm assuming that's probably the case. Because CyberConnect2, their headquarters is in Fukuoka. Uh, They also have a studio in Tokyo, and I believe they just opened one in Montreal randomly. So, I didn't go to CyberConnect2, because every time I try to look for it on Google Maps, I could only find, like, this really nondescript building. So, unlike Square Enix, where, you know, it's pretty clear it's Square Enix, because there's a Square Enix sign in front of it, and also Artnia's there, uh, CyberConnect2 seems to be, you know, a little bit more subdued. You know, they're not they're not up on the whole you-finding-them thing. <laughs> I guess they find you. Um so I didn't go there, but I did have a lot of fun in Fukuoka. Uh, some things I did, I wrote down these things. Um, they may or may not be in chronological order. Uh, first thing, very important, food. Uh, I had some really awesome ramen at this place called Ichiran, which is like, from what I can tell, like it's super popular with Westerners. Like, like it's a really famous uh, ramen chain. So I went there, and it was super awesome. Uh, I burnt my tongue really bad, because that's just how I eat ramen, I guess. Uh, apparently, you're supposed to, like, slurp your ramen in such a way that it creates this weird, like, aerodynamic vacuum of wind that goes over the broth and noodles that somehow cools it. And I was doing that, I think, but apparently not good enough. Uh, not uh, I'm not Japanese enough in my slurping, so I burnt my tongue like crazy but oh well it was good uh then after that um i went to a place called round one which uh i guess the closest analog to an american thing would be like dave and busters it's like a arcade activity type fun place (laughs) and i went there because i really wanted to do uh karaoke because I'd never done that in America, so I thought it would be fun to do in Japan. And the person I was with uh, happily obliged. And so we went there, and um, yeah, uh, we sang lots of karaoke songs, uh, Disney songs, 
Uh, also, I did get to sing Simple and Clean in karaoke, and uh, no, I didn't, it wasn't Hikari, it was not Hikari, it was actually Simple and Clean, they did have Simple and Clean, and they also had Hikari, so, like, that to me blew my mind, it's like, whoa, I bet, you know, it's like, every, pretty much every song I was throwing at this karaoke machine, it was, it had, um so like you know you want you want bohemian rhapsody uh by queen you got it you want uh call me maybe <laughs> you got it you want basically any disney song as long as it's not nightmare before christmas you got it i don't know if nightmare before christmas was ever a thing here in japan so i'm guessing the person i was with is japanese so i asked them and it's like hey do you know nightmare before christmas and they were like no what's that I'm like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess that's basically how the uh karaoke machine responded as well. So, yeah, we did that and then uh went to a uh, movie theater in this place called Canal City, which is near Hakata Station in Fukuoka. And uh we bought tickets to see Kimi no Nawa, which uh in English is your name. It's the new uh Shinkai Makoto movie um or Makoto Shinkai uh he's um he's like this pretty prominent director these days uh as far as anime movies are concerned uh he was in charge of uh movies like well the only one i know he did is five centimeters per second because that's the only one of his that i remember the title of uh and yeah he's very famous for like having a, a lot of very beautiful image having a lot of very beautiful imagery in his movies uh particularly in the backgrounds of his movies they're really gorgeous uh i definitely found that some of his older movies tended towards the grim slash tragic slash really sad side and i was so happy that he got more money to make this movie uh because for one the budget was higher and for two when you're in charge of a lot of money, you're forced to make happy endings. So <laughs> you can't spend a lot of money and not have a happy ending. It's just, it just doesn't work that way in Hollywood or in Japan, I guess. So I was glad because every time I watch his movies, I'm always so sad. But this one, this one was good. Um, so yeah, Kimi no Nawa, your name. Definitely watch it. Uh, best anime movie I've seen in like the past five years. Uh, I would say uh, the next one from that would have been like the disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya and Summer Wars. I would see those as, you know, roughly equal. I would say this is up there, if not better. Maybe not then disappearance, but at the very least better than Summer Wars. So definitely watch it when you have a chance. Kimi no Nawa or your name. So that was basically my time in Fukuoka. It was a lot of fun. I hope I get to go back there. I hope at some point I get a job with CyberConnect 2 and I could just live there and uh, make Final Fantasy 7 all day. So let's see if that happens. Um, if you work for uh, CyberConnect 2 and you're listening to my voice right now, um, please hire me and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll work for you and I'll, I'll help you make Final Fantasy 7 or Naruto or dot hack stuff whatever whatever you want whatever you're feeling feeling like doing that day i'll do that so so i think i think that's enough for the japan segment of the show i think it's now time to start the show so anyway for you new folks kingdom hearts union is part of the podcast series called final fantasy and kingdom hearts union and is presented by the gaming union network we release every tuesday rotating each week with final fantasy union and we come out on the itunes store kingdomheartsunion.com youtube.com slash khunionvids and uh kingdom hearts ultimania's twitter which is at khultimania uh in the way of the show today we have two segments uh first segment is news as i mentioned before we've got a lot of news and a lot to talk about regarding that news so stay tuned for that and also questions and in the way of announcements, as always, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. Just pledge a dollar and get access to a special podcast called Please Be Excited. Our Patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows. We have Barry Norton, who is at Nortron Zero on Twitter. We have Christian Burge, Joey Hinkle, who is at Oren Darkrend. 
Lewis James, Satria Jaja Zudarma, who is at Satria625Ruben. We have Skylar Loveless, William Trengrove, who is at Varnish the Azure. Uh, Chris Morales, Eric Decker, who is at Chaco Taco. Harley Crawley, who is at DarkZTOkami. Josh McNabb, who is at J2K9. Michael Graham, Thorin Bullen, who is at Massacre23. Zach Toronto, who is at ZDoronto58. Alex Troutman, who is at Akira Namjin. Uh, Billy Jackson, who is at underscore Billy Jackson. Genesis Alejandro, who is at Junison7. Uh, Jason Jason Rivera, who is at Neo Arcadiac. Uh, Joseph Robertson, who is at PKMN Trainer J. Uh, Keith Fields, who is at The Mighty Keith. Uh, Chris Russell, who is at The Ninja Max. Manning Franks, who is at Like underscore Peyton. Mike Shirley Donnelly, who is at Curious Quail. Muhammad Quayam. Uh, Nico Gonzalez, who is at Nick underscore Knack 95. Rachel Casterton, who is at Orba Yoon Ray. Vita Nitas, who is at V underscore Tron 5000. And Zelda Clone, who is at Apes Type Novels. Uh, and, uh, finally, if you guys want to be a part of, a part of the show, please send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. You know, if you, if you want us to talk about something specific and you have like a burning question about the Kingdom Hearts series or what we think about the future of it or the past of it or the present of it, please just send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com and we will get to them on the show. All right. So in the way of news, our first segment, the news segment. Uh, there was a big interview that uh, Tetsuya Nomura did uh, for Dengeki uh, following, you know, you can sort of think of this as a post-TGS uh, interview where all the remainders of what he can say will be said. Um, and uh, he talked about a lot of things. Uh, primarily, this seemed to be like a, a World of Final Fantasy type tri- uh, interview uh, because, you know, that's coming out soon or is out or something <laughs> i haven't been keeping up but that, that was the main purpose of the interview but beyond that he also talked about his other projects uh namely kingdom hearts 2.8 kingdom hearts 3 and uh final fantasy 7 remake and we will we'll obviously be focusing on the kingdom hearts side of the interview so uh first bit of interesting information uh so dengeki wanted to ask about the box art for Kingdom Hearts 2.8, because obviously that was revealed uh, for the first time at TGS. And Nomura had some interesting things to say about that, uh, that basically there's two interesting uh, themes uh, that you can sort of glean from uh, the box art. Uh, and it's as, it's with relation to how it relates to the prior HD collection box arts. So basically there's two th- things that have been uh, tied between all three of these box arts. First is the uh, actions that the characters are, I guess you could say, performing in, in each of these box arts, namely the characters in the foregrounds, not the ones in the backgrounds. Uh, and basically, uh, Nomura said that uh, in each of these boxes, you can see sort of a progression in Kingdom Hearts uh, 1.5 HD's box art. We have Sora sitting and then in Kingdom Hearts 2.5's uh, box art, Sora is standing. And then finally now in Kingdom Hearts 2.8, Sora is walking. So you can sort of see this quote-unquote evolution of what Sora is doing. Uh, and then next, uh, he also made note of the sky that you can see in each of these box arts. So in uh, Kingdom Hearts 1.5's uh, box art, you have Twilight turning to Nightfall. So there's that transition. And then you have uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.5's uh, sky in the background is, uh, you know, pitch black sky. And then Kingdom Hearts 2.8's uh, um, background uh, sky is basically uh, showing daybreak. Or you can sort of thinking think of it as night turning to day. So you can sort of see this transition. So... Uh, you know, the first one was day turning to night. Second one was just straight up, it's night. And then now it's night turning to day. Now, one one, one might think, well, I wonder if 
Kingdom Hearts 3's box art, whatever it may look like, I wonder if somehow it's related to these uh, to these uh, trends that they're uh, you know demonstrating in these box arts. And uh, yeah, I would say that's probably a pretty educated guess. Now, what I want to know is, okay, so how are they going to continue this trend? <laughs> So I think with the sky, I think that's probably the most straightforward. Um, uh, you know, clearly if night is turning to day in the uh, 2.8 box art, then, you know, one could assume that maybe, uh, maybe the uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 box art will feature a scene in the day. And moving uh, towards that as well, uh, you know, you also have the uh, the actions that the characters are taking on. So if we go, if we're going from sitting to standing to walking, perhaps in the next box art in the Kingdom Hearts Three box art, there will be some sort of progression beyond walking. Now, the most obvious <laughs> progression beyond walking would be running, um, but. If you want to take this a step further, perhaps it's something even more extravagant. You know, uh, there's this whole concept of, you know, you could sort of see this as like, um, you can sort of see the actions that Sora and company are taking on as like, maybe this is an evolutionary progression. So we're going from, you know, sitting to standing to walking and, you know, maybe now in 2.8, you know, Sora's considered human. <laughs> and maybe back when he was sitting, he was like an ape or something. And now he's now he's walking tall on two legs. And uh, perhaps, you know, in Kingdom Hearts 3, it's going to demonstrate an evolution beyond human. You know, maybe he's flying. But if not, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe it's sitting, standing, walking, and then just running. Because as far as I can tell, uh, in, in pretty much all the box arts for Kingdom Hearts, uh, they've always been just static scenes. So it'd be kind of interesting to see a more dynamic scene. Uh, I guess 2.8 sort of fulfills that because the characters are walking in it. But it'd be nice to see, you know, them. maybe they're flying or maybe they're running or something along those lines. It'll be interesting to see uh, where that goes. But I think we can all pretty much agree that if they do go down this path uh, of relating these box arts together, then it will most likely be a scene during the day, and maybe uh, there will be some sort of action that the characters take on that is sort of like a progression beyond walking, which you could think as conservatively to be maybe they're just running, or it could be crazy like I'm thinking like maybe they're flying or doing flow motion off of some wall or something, I don't know. Something beyond just walking. That'd be kind of interesting. And Honestly, probably symbolic for uh, what Nomura is going for, because uh, he he's always talking about in interviews these days, whenever he brings up Sora in Kingdom Hearts 3, how, he basically is always gushing about how cool it is to move around the space, just move around the levels in Kingdom Hearts 3. And, you know, you're not just walking and running and that he's like presenting you new movement options in this 3D space in Kingdom Hearts 3. So maybe that sort of, uh, philosophy will be showcased in this, you know, in this box art. Maybe I'm not too crazy, <laughs> or maybe I'm just as crazy as Nomura, and that's why we're on the same wavelength. Anyway, so that's 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 the skinny on the box art. Moving on, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 uh, has been confirmed by Nomura himself that it will support 4K on PS4 Pro, and that other features will be showcased at a later date. So that's really good to hear. Um, so if you don't already know, PS4 Pro, it's like a snazzier PS4 that will be releasing November 10th uh, around the world. And basically it's it's a normal PS4, just way beefier. And uh, unlike previous console generations where you know, you'd have the PlayStation 3 and then you had the PlayStation 3 Slim, where it was only that the consoles would get slimmer, lighter, and cheaper. In this case, the PS4 Pro is doing the opposite. It actually got fatter, and it got way more powerful and way more power-consuming, and they're allowing developers to take advantage of that. So uh, most notably allowing them to support resolutions, uh, higher resolutions like 4K. Um, 
So yeah, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 is going to support 4K. Uh, for people that don't have 4K sets, don't fret if you want a PS4 Pro. Uh, the nice thing about higher resolution gaming is that even if you're playing at a higher resolution that your than your TV technically supports, the nice thing is that in effect, what you get is a smoothing of the image. Uh, this is known as super sampled, uh, a super sampled anti-aliasing. Uh, where you just brute force smoothing the image by rendering more pixels. And that's like a really great way of doing things. Uh, if you've ever done downsampling on like PC games and ever noticed that, whoa, when I crank up that resolution, the image gets super, super smooth and literally all the aliasing goes away. Uh, that's that's basically what you know 1080p gamers will be uh, able to enjoy if they're playing uh, their PS4 Pro on a you know 1080p set. Now uh, he also said that you know other features would be showcased at a later date. Uh, I don't know what those other features are. I'm hoping or well, I'm assuming most likely it'll probably definitely include HDR support because that definitely seems to be the the drum Sony is uh, bashing. You know that that's that's sort of like what Sony's saying is like what you should be targeting as a developer is 4K and HDR support. I know Final Fantasy 15 has 4K and HDR support, and uh, based off of the visuals of uh you know of Kingdom Hearts 2.8, uh it seems like it would definitely benefit from HDR support. Um, which you know if you don't know about HDR, uh, I don't want to retread last podcast too much, but. Uh, was it last podcast? Maybe two pos- two podcasts ago, we talked about PS4 Pro. You can check that out. We talked about uh what what the whole deal with uh you know what with HDR was. Uh, some other possible features that they might uh add, maybe some more special effects or just better versions of the special effects, uh higher res textures, stuff like that. Um, so we'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, it, it's nice to know that Nomura is uh keen on letting us know exactly what's in the PS4 Pro version at some point because it seems like with Final Fantasy 15 like no one really knows uh to not even Tabata I mean with, with well in Tabata's case he's he's really in a time constraint I feel bad for him <laughs> you know they don't know because they don't have time to think about that stuff right now and honestly the the base PS4 version is way more important um so I guess we'll find out what that is. All, all I know is Final Fantasy 15 will definitely support 4K and HDR. And Tabata basically said, and uh, we're still tuning it. So we'll see what else we can do. And, and that's about all he said. I'm hoping for more uh, better draw distance on the grass because I love me some open world grass. And Final Fantasy 15's grass has been looking really good lately. And <laughs> if I could have more of it, I would be so happy. Anyway, moving on. Uh, uh, Nomura also said that uh, the demo that was shown at TGS was actually a... uh, It was the same demo that they showed at E3, but it was actually uh, polished up quite a bit compared to what was actually shown at E3. Uh, We we in the fan community already know that because we saw screen... Or uh, basically off-screen... captures of what people were playing and we saw that the models were visibly much much better than what we saw in the uh e3 version uh so it was clear from that point that you know changes were made since e3 and Nomura went on to say that the osaka team is continuing to improve on 0.2 even since the tgs build went out so that you can basically you can expect the master version to be even more polished than what we saw at TGS, which is really awesome to hear uh, that they're not, you know, that they're not just, you know, taking, you know, they're not taking the delay and just like being like, you know what, we were going to f- finish this game up already by now uh, for the original release date. Let's just stop now and stop working on this game. No, they're still taking that 0.2 and they're pushing it even further. I can't wait to see where it is in its final form. You know, it's that classic anime trope. This isn't even my final form. I can be even more cute and beautiful and and have better models. Just wait and see. And I can't. I, I just can't wait to see what they do with it. Here's hoping they fix Mickey's stupid face. I'm still waiting. Still waiting, uh, Yasue-san and Nomura-san. Please fix fix the stupid Mickey face and 
Uh, also, if you want, you know, you can also add some some subsurface scattering to the skin and to the hair. Uh, be pretty cool. Uh, at, in the very at the very least, in the in the case of uh, subsurface scattering on skin, uh, you know, Unreal Engine Four, it's got built-in. Uh, I think it's called separable subsurface scattering. It, it's it's got built-in the subsurface scattering that they use for Call of Duty Advanced Warfare that was super good. That's just in Unreal Engine Four. You can use that for free. And it's really performant, as in, like, it's really easy to run and doesn't impact performance that much, and it looks super good, and it's uh, scientifically proven to be a really good approximation of of skin and other uh, translucent materials. Just saying. See, this is the problem. When, when Namora and Sebi aren't on, I get to be nerdy too much. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, uh... 0.2. It's going to look better, even better than the TGS version. Whoop-de-doo. Moving, moving on. Compared to 0.2, uh, Nomura says that Kingdom Hearts 3 is far deeper with the amount of things the player can do while controlling while controlling Sora as compared to controlling Aqua in 0.2. Uh, the example that Nomura gave is that in the case of Sora, Sora can change his Keyblade, which will result in different actions, you know, what does that mean? Um, not too sure, but uh, yeah, of course, Nomura, of course you can change the Keyblade. But I will say something interesting, changing the Keyblade before it did not really result in different actions in prior games. Uh, and the only thing I can think of that we know of for sure already is that you had those like uh, shot lock type things, the, chi- the Keyblade transformation abilities. It seems like each Keyblade will have their own transformation set so uh, you know just right there alone uh you know that's that's one way changing your keyblade would result in various different actions that you know sora can do that aqua can't uh you know nomura basically confirmed that aqua is not going to be changing her keyblade throughout the duration of 0.2 which makes sense it's it's not a long demo i mean it's not a long preview type game or at least well we don't know the length of it but it, if it's, you know, roughly the length of one Disney World, even though Nomura said it's longer than that. But, you know, if that was the target, it's probably not that much longer. So let's say, you know, it's like five, six hours max. You know, I honestly don't think it's like that. I think I think it's probably more like four hours. So let's say it's like four hours. How many, how frequently do you change keyblades in Kingdom Hearts? Probably not every four hours. You probably get one per, you know, you get one per world and like... You know, maybe like one per every five hours. I don't know. So Aqua having one whole one keyblade throughout that is completely fine. Doesn't make a difference. You know, the game, the segment is so short, it wouldn't make a difference. So yeah, basically Nomura is saying that just in that regard, that Aqua is, you know, a much more simplified uh, move set of what Sora has at his fingertips, you know, just just alone based on the fact that she doesn't have, you know, all the keyblade transformations. But beyond that, Sora's got all kinds of like different movement abilities that Aqua doesn't have. So, uh, you know, in, in a lot of respects, uh, Kingdom Hearts 0.2 is just a preview of Kingdom Hearts 3, which makes sense. So, uh, as fun as, you know, 0.2 is, and as, as much as you will, you know, inevitably enjoy it, uh, just remember, even Kingdom Hearts 3 is even crazier than what they're going to do in 0.2. So can't wait to see what both of those games end up being. Uh, another bit of news, which is kind of sad, but kind of like, yeah, we kind of expected this news. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 news is confirmed to come later after the launch of 2.8, which means that the Kingdom Hearts 3 news that we were promised in December has officially been delayed, which makes sense because... Most probably 0.2 slash 2.8 as a whole probably greatly ties into the reveal of whatever that news is. Like, like 2.8 is literally a prologue for for 3, so obviously that's going to have stuff in it. And obviously they probably were expecting that to already be out before they start talking about Kingdom Hearts 3. 
you know, at least in their initial marketing plans. So it only makes sense to delay the news a little bit, unfortunately. Uh, that does mean that they're going to be missing out on uh, on PSX and on at Jump Festa. But, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles, <laughs> unfortunately. The other sad thing is that does effectively mean um, or, or something similar was sort of hinted at with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, basically Nomura is not going to be showing that either in December, unfortunately. So yeah, uh, he basically cited, uh, there were, uh, there, you know, it's, it's the same reason that 0.2 was, or the same reason that 2.8 was delayed in the first place. It was the proximity to other, uh, titles releases. And, uh, you can sort of think of it this way that even though, Final Fantasy 15's delay doesn't necessarily directly affect uh, the marketing of Kingdom Hearts 3 and Final Fantasy 7. Uh, it does work the other way, unfortunately. So Final Fantasy 7 re- or Final Fantasy 15 releases November 29th. Uh, these big events that you know Final Fantasy 7 and Kingdom Hearts would have been present at would basically fall in during Final Fantasy XV's critical selling period. Uh, so if you don't know, uh, AAA games tend to sell most of the copies that they sell within like the first few weeks, and they don't usually have the longest of tales. Um, and the or, uh, when I say long, longest of tales, that basically means uh, they, their sales drop off pretty quickly. Uh, and they usually only spike back up during sales, like, like, per, like discounts when there's discounts available, uh, during like a summer sale event, or if the game just straight up drops in price, which, uh, if you notice with a lot of AAA games that happens very fast. Like, you know, if you, if you wait like a couple of months, like I'm saying like three months, you can probably get a AAA game for like 50, 40 bucks when it's normally $60. So uh, they want to make sure that they're maximizing the sales potential of their $60 slash $85 slash $200 whatever dollar Final Fantasy 15. You know, they, they, want, they want to make as much money, a much they want to make as much profit off the back of Final Fantasy 15 as they can. So this particular selling period is very critical because that's when they can still sell it for that much. And it's also the holiday period. So they want to get as much out of the way as possible. And even though those games aren't, you know, even though those games aren't releasing in that period anymore, or at least in the case of seven, it was never going to release in that period. Uh, Even though that is the case, marketing, uh, does influence the way you perceive prior games. So if FF7 comes out and shows a big trailer and everyone says, oh my goodness gracious, FF7 is so much better than Final Fantasy 15. That's the actual Final Fantasy game I want. Screw this Final Fantasy game. I don't need Final Fantasy 15. I can wait for it to be like 10 bucks. You know, that can happen, unfortunately. So uh, I think it's pretty prudent to, you know, pull back the reins a bit when it comes to uh uh the the marketing material so it makes sense and especially in the case of uh uh, 2.8 it makes a lot of sense because uh the kingdom hearts 3 news obviously directly tied into 2.8 so obviously we want that to come out first so if that gets delayed the news gets delayed makes sense now some good news which I guess we kind of already know, but it's sort of a reiteration from Nomura, is regarding 2017 uh, and how it relates to Kingdom Hearts. And basically Nomura says that, you know, as 2017 will be, you know, the 15th anniversary of Kingdom Hearts, that 2017 will be a year full of nonstop Kingdom Hearts news. So... (laughs) That's really tantalizing to me because that means it's going to be a lot easier to make these podcasts because I uh, I can just uh, discuss the discuss the news as it comes, which is great. So, uh, yeah, next year is going to be super big. Now, will Kingdom Hearts three come out next year? That's hard to say. Maybe, maybe not. I would say that the nice thing is that despite the delay of two point eight, the delay of two point eight is not 
indicative of anything bad with Kingdom Hearts 3's development. It was indicative of things bad with Final Fantasy 15's development. And the fact that, you know, the Osaka team gets to polish up 2.8 a little bit more really isn't going to affect Kingdom Hearts 3's development at all. So Kingdom Hearts 3 is developing, you know, as good or bad as it's been always. So I don't think any of the recent uh, game date pushes have affected Kingdom Hearts 3's release at all. So if it was always planned to release, you know, December 2017, we'll say, if it was always planned to release then, then it's still going to release then. You know, none of the recent changes would have affected it. I would say the only thing that is going to affect Kingdom Hearts 3's release is how well they can make this game and not, you know, encounter a bazillion bugs and you know, game design issues and it just not being fun or whatever, you know, just the, the, the standard stuff, you know, if, if Kingdom Hearts three gets delayed, it's going to be its own damn fault. So that's, that's basically what I'm trying to say. It's not going to be because Final Fantasy 15 got delayed. No, that's, that affects 2.8. Cause it's 2.8 is a pushover, you know, 2.8 is a preview game. That thing can get pushed around by Final Fantasy 15 Kingdom Hearts three. It ain't going nowhere. Other things are going to get out of the way for Kingdom Hearts three. That's just how, that's just how it's going to be. So, uh, so yeah, that pretty much wraps up the news segment for today. Can't wait to see what future news is in store for us. Unfortunately, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the last of the news that we hear for Kingdom Hearts three this year. But I said that last episode, and <laughs> here we are today. So maybe there will be more news, but just the just the finality of it, the fact that he. just straight up tells us when the next news is coming kind of makes it seem like there's not going to be anything significant between now and uh you know i guess the january time frame so we'll see we'll see how that goes uh so moving on to the questions as always if you guys uh want to be a part of the show want us to talk about what you want to talk about please send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com our first question comes from sleepy bagel and sleepy bagel asks uh with uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 confirmed to support 4K on PS4 Pro. Do you think there's any chance of it or Kingdom Hearts 3 running at 60 FPS? So that's a good question. And I don't know if I addressed this in the PS4 Pro episode, but I think it's important for potential PS4 Pro owners to have an understanding of what PS4 Pro brings to the table and what it doesn't bring to the table. And... uh. Well, let me just say that none of what I'm about to tell you is like super set in stone. It's just speculation that I've heard uh, from developers and journalists about what the current specs of the PS4 Pro seem to bring to the table. You know, it's very possible that developers can find new tricks to bring other things to the table, but this is what we know for sure it can do. So PS4 Pro, the main benefit that we're seeing here is that they upgraded the GPU. So the graphics processing unit has been upgraded uh, and it runs approximately twice as fast as the standard PS4 uh, GPU. So what that allows the game to do is to add a lot more visual effects and as well as increase the resolution. Uh, And we talked about on the episode that we talked about PS4 Pro, one of the uh, other benefits is that baked into the hardware, which is the most amazing thing ever, they just have a chip that handles upscaling of, of, of gameplay footage and basically takes, you know, your typical 1080p or, you know, typical full HD gameplay feed and it will upscale it to 4k using a really smart technique called checkerboard rendering. If you want to see checkerboard rendering in action, uh, but done with software and not with a, like a built-in hardware chip, uh, check out rainbow six siege rainbow six siege uses, uh, checkerboard upscaling and provides, uh, you know, a very convincing 1080p image. Uh, basically, uh, with Rainbow Six Siege, they weren't able to hit 1080p 60, and they, that was really important for that team. So they used uh, checkerboard rendering to uh, take a non-HD video feed or a non-HD uh, render target and upscale that to full 1080p HD and have that run at 60 FPS 
you know, pretty consistently. So, you know, you can check out like Digital Foundry has a lot of good videos on the uh, performance of Rainbow Six Siege, and you can see how those look on uh, on console. And you can sort of imagine, you know, what what upscaling from 1080p to 4K would be like uh, when you have all that detail. So. Uh, that's really nice. And basically the benefit of that is that you're going to get much cleaner images. And, uh, if you have a 4k TV, it'll run at the native resolution of your display and it'll look super nice. Uh, other things that are afforded to developers are things like HDR, uh, where you can have, uh, basically high dynamic range so you can have really, really bright colors, really, really dark colors. You can also have a lot of different variations between colors and not have weird banding artifacts on the screen. Uh, look at uh, Google it if you want a better explanation than that, but that's effectively what HDR is. Uh, beyond that, you can also add more visual special effects. So fancier lighting, fancier shaders, maybe even better textures. Now getting to your question. <laughs> With regards to 60 FPS, uh, from what I understand, uh, based off of what developers are saying and what uh, game journalists who sort of have a, a knack for the, the technical side of things, what they're saying is that while 60, uh, while the GPU has been upgraded to effectively double the uh, performance power, the CPU uh, portion of the uh, APU. <laughs> it's really confusing. So basically PS4 has got this thing called an APU. It's like an all purpose processing unit, but it does have a CPU and GPU built into it. So I don't know. It's weird. I don't personally understand it. I'm more of a software guy, less of a hardware guy, but I'm doing my best here. So basically the CPU portion of this processor that the PS4 has, the CPU portion is very similar to the normal PS4, uh, but it is uh, it is overclocked, uh, or it's at a higher clock rate. Uh, so we're seeing approximately a 33% boost to CPU. The problem is uh, the CPU on PS4 has been acting as a bottleneck for a lot of games on PS4 in general. Just, you know, regardless of go, going to PS4 Pro, the CPU has been a problem because the CPU on PS4 and even on Xbox One, they're effectively like the kind of CPUs you would have on a mobile phone, but they're sort of like fancy versions of mobile phone uh, processors, which is a problem. So now on PS4 Pro, we have a slightly more fancy version of a mobile phone processor running on PS4 Pro. Uh, so it's running at, you know, a 33% boost. Um, what developers seem to be saying is that while the GPU uh, upgrade will really help the visuals of these games, as far as performance, the current bottleneck is not GPU. The GPU is not in the way of them achieving 60 FPS. The main problem is they're really struggling with the CPU. The CPU is way too dang slow and is slowing them down. And that's why they're really struggling to hit even 30 FPS on a lot of these games. So the fact that the CPU hasn't changed much is a problem and will most likely keep... Uh, basically any of these ps4 games that have pro modes from achieving 60 fps now that's it's not impossible to do uh, you know there is the whole balancing act of the fact that oh well now that the gpu's you know taking more of the workload maybe we can do some uh gp gpu tasks which is another another crazy acronym gp gpu is like general purpose graphics processing unit so using the graphics card to do tasks that would normally be done by the cpu so I'm, I'm guessing you know you could probably work some of that in there and do some weird balancing act where the gpu helps a little bit and you know alleviates the cpu from having to do as much and the fact that it's got a 33 percent boost well that's kind of nice <laughs> but at the end of the day it seems like what we can mostly expect from PS4 Pro is visual improvements and not necessarily performance improvements. Um, and towards that end, it actually sounds like some of these PS4 Pro games that are like, I mean, some of these games that have PS4 Pro modes that have been previewed are actually struggling uh, in the performance 
uh, area. Uh, for example, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, I believe is what, what it's called. Uh, I think uh, Digital Foundry did a, um, a preview of that, and I remember them saying that uh, while the normal PS4 version seemed to be running close to 60 FPS constantly, the uh, PS4 Pro version, which was running at 4K, upscaled, uh, was uh, was like running more like 45 FPS. And that's actually a problem. And actually, in from the leaked documents that we know from Sony, uh, Sony basically said uh, that's that's not okay. Uh, PS4 Pro games are not allowed to run worse than the standard version. So that's something Activision is going to have to address. So it's not all sunshine and rainbows going to PS4 Pro. Unfortunately, it's not the be all end all. It's still effectively a really cheap computer, and uh, you know the cheapest of pc parts can well not the cheapest but like your average mid-range pc will still greatly outclass a ps4 pro um in terms of performance but uh yeah that that seems to be the case so to answer your question do you think uh 2.8 or kh3 will run at 60 fps no unless uh unless they get the base versions running at 60 fps uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think what pro, what Pro has to offer is really going to be the difference between 60 FPS and 30 FPS. Uh, I think that would have to come at the base PS4 Pro level. Like they would have to achieve that on normal PS4 Pro, and then yeah, of course, uh, or they would have to achieve that on normal PS4, and then yeah, of course, the PS4 Pro version would be able to accomplish that. But uh, it doesn't seem like that's like a super big priority for them right now. Uh, maybe they'll come up with something fancy and weird to <laughs> to fake 60 FPS. That's that is something interesting. Like uh, speaking of Sony stuff that's just come out recently, um, you know, you got you got the PlayStation VR, which has this like breakout box, this extra processing unit box thingy, where one of its jobs i don't know what it uh, all the things it does but i know one of its jobs is to interpolate the frames where it basically like creates new frames so uh the display inside the vr headset can go up to 120 hertz which basically means you could have 120 frames per second but obviously these games are not going to be running at 120 20 frames per second so all developers need to do is get their games running at 60 FPS and the processing unit will take whatever the headset is doing movement wise, take the previously rendered frame and like stretch it or move it in some sort of way. So it sort of fakes the movement that should happen if there was another frame in between the two frames that are being rendered. And it's basically fakes half the frames that way and then you can sort of effectively have 120 frames per second gameplay and it's not like like, that terrible like smooth motion stuff that you would have on tvs uh some people call it like uh soap opera mode where you turn you you basically turn on a thing on your tv and it like makes in between frames for you and it looks really weird uh it's not like that entirely because uh it also takes into account the movement of your head as you're turning your head in VR, so they're taking input into account, whereas that smooth motion stuff doesn't take into account any input and actually increases latency on your TV. So uh, everything would actually play really, really bad <laughs> in those modes. So maybe <laughs> it's a really roundabout. Maybe Kingdom Hearts Three could come up with their own uh, time warp solution where they can take 30 FPS and then use the controller input and come up with in uh, in between frames using the controller input just like uh, the VR headsets these days they've got their time warp ability where they can just make new frames based off of headset movement I don't know this is just me thinking out loud anyway moving on to the next question so no I don't think I don't think Kingdom Hearts 3 or 2.8 is going to do it but if they have to do it I would say the pro the, the pro version wouldn't be the only one getting it I think that the base model would also have 60 FPS anyway uh the next one comes from two cats two purious it's cute anyway uh do you think the Osaka team will ever make anything but Kingdom Hearts games um honestly I don't think so but I want them to. 
So my personal opinion is that much like, so here's a trend I notice in the game industry. So you have these companies that make these, you know, these really famous franchises and they make like, you know, three games, right? And then they move on. So uh, let's take, for example, Bungie. They're the people that made Halo. So they made Halo 1, they made Halo 2, they made Halo 3. Uh, and then they signed this contract with Microsoft that basically said, all right, we'll make another Halo game. So they made Halo Reach and they got the hell out of there and made Destiny. Now, Microsoft isn't going to let Halo go because Halo was super big for them uh, on, on the previous you know, previous consoles that they released. So instead, what they did is like, okay, well, we don't need you, Bungie. We've got Halo. Let's get another team and they'll make Halo. So they made this new studio called 343 Studios. Uh, and their their job is to make Halo games now. And it seems like with a lot of these series, like there's these sort of like, you know, they'll they'll take the best of the new guys, the best of the newcomers that they have, and they basically turn them into the team that they can boss around to make this franchise forever and ever. And I kind of feel like that's Osaka teams position is that while you know the original kingdom hearts team all-stars were free to move on to final fantasy versus 13 you know these guys in osaka they can sort of say no you will always make kingdom hearts and that's that's just it forever unless and here's the loophole i i could see happening if a bigger franchise needed help which is what happened to the original Kingdom Hearts team. So for some reason, there was like a Final Fantasy game that needed to be developed and there was no one else to do it. I think the Osaka team would be the one to take the take the, take the the torch from there. But no, I don't think the Osaka team will stop making Kingdom Hearts games unless something really, really crazy comes to shake things up. Uh, I personally hope at some point they do make other games. Not that I wouldn't want them to make Kingdom Hearts games forever. I really love kingdom hearts you know and under their control they do some really awesome stuff with the series and you know namura himself was praising them in the dengeki interview at how good they are at like level design for example and I've, i love what they've done with the series so far so i would never like i don't want them to leave the series but at the same point like they're really talented like they could make other things their their skill set could afford them so many other things. And I feel like at Square Enix right now, they're playing things super, super safe. You know, ever since they ditched uh, Wada as CEO, they've been really safe. You know, everything has Final Fantasy in the title, unless it's Kingdom Hearts or Dragon Quest right now. Like, their Japan studios are not making new IPs anymore, uh, apart from Bravely Default, but that sort of came as an accident. if we're being honest and and uh, actually bravely default used to be a final fantasy game anyway so that's that's kind of the exception to the rule but it's also a handheld game so i don't think they'll you know square wants to like put a lot of money into things that aren't final fantasy it's kind of sad uh and in the case of osaka i think like the fact that they're making something that isn't technically final fantasy i think that's cool that's you know that's pushing it <laughs> already. The fact that they're making something that doesn't have Kingdom, uh, Final Fantasy in the title, that has Kingdom Hearts in the title, but has Final Fantasy characters in it. I don't know. I w- basically, I want them to. I don't think they will. And I think it's for similar reasons as to why I don't think 343 Studios will ever make something that isn't Halo. I don't think Black Tusk Studios, who just, made, who just released Gears of War 4, I don't think Black Tusk Studios will ever make anything that's not gears of war because they were sort of like well black test studios apparently they were working on something else prior to gears 4 and microsoft shut that project down and said no you're making you're making gears games now because epic games isn't making them anymore they refuse so i kind of feel like the osaka team is sort of in that position with square i mean this, this is just pure speculation the uh, another thing that i do want to bring up is that you know colloquially we call them the osaka team but in reality in osaka there's an entire development studio and 
there's many teams within it. They're known as Business Division Three. You know, Tabata's team. That's Business Division Two. They're making Final Fantasy 15 right now. Uh, the whole Osaka branch, as far as I know, is known as Business Division Three. And as a whole, Business Division Three makes a lot of different games. Uh, from what it seems like, mostly mobile titles. Uh, things like Fiat Rhythm, Final Fantasy, for example. And a portion of Business Division 3 is the Kingdom Hearts team, and they're making things like, you know, the HD remasters and Kingdom Hearts 3, obviously, right now. So, you know, as a, as a you know, what I'm referring to when I say Osaka team is, I mean the Kingdom Hearts team. I don't think they're going to make anything but Kingdom Hearts games unless something crazy happens. Or, you know, another bigger IP hint hint final fantasy somehow needs help and they'll be pulled off to make a final fantasy game that's the only way i could see it happening or or here's another thing if kingdom hearts 3 is a big failure which i hope never happens if if kingdom hearts ever has a major financial failure where they put in a lot of money to make a big kingdom hearts game and that kingdom hearts game was a huge failure if that happened then i would say almost definitely they will be not making kingdom hearts games anymore i would say they they would probably exclusively make final fantasy phone games <laughs> at that point because <laughs> i feel like if you make a if you have a big financial failure and you know on a big ip they just make you make uh like a worse version of a different big ip i, I think that's what happens at the 13 team <laughs> i don't know that's just crazy speculation. All I know is that I think Matomo Toriyama's work, worked on uh, Mobius Final Fantasy. And I just feel like, you know, since that was his his biggest project after, uh, you know, after thirteen the 13 trilogy did what it did. I don't know. It seems like maybe that's... Is that a trend? I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, that pretty much wraps up the show for today. For the music for this episode, we have a cover of Olympus Coliseum on piano from Hypochondriac Piano. Uh, definitely check her out on YouTube. I think it's her. Uh, Hypochondriac Piano. Uh, our next episode is coming uh, October 18th. Oh, wait. <laughs> That's when this episode's coming out. Our next episode's coming out November 1st. Woo! We're almost in the month where final fantasy 15 comes out the dream is almost over <laughs> or the, maybe the nightmare the nightmare is almost over so our next kingdom hearts union is coming out november 1st uh as always you guys can subscribe to final fantasy and kingdom hearts union on the itunes store just search for kingdom hearts and we're number one and of course you can catch every episode at kingdomheartsunion.com youtube.com slash vids, or kingdom hearts ultimania's twitter which is at khultimania and as always, if you guys like the show and you want to support us, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And as always, please, if you want to be a part of the show, please send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com and you can ask us a bunch of crazy thought-provoking questions like we had in this episode. All right, so it is now goodbye time. So hopefully next time, you know, I'll be joined with Churro or Sabi or both, hopefully. And it'll be a lot... You know, a lot of fun to talk with them again. So anyway, I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production.